many know that we are living in some interesting times? We are living in days I call weird times and strange things are happening and I don't even hardly recognize the world that I live in. And when I get up sometimes, I wonder if I turn on the TV, what's going to happen next? How many know what I'm saying? What you can expect to happen next. And we got people that will get up and they will tell you what they think is going to happen. We got some that will speculate what is going to happen. And then we got people even prophesying what they think is going to happen. But how many know that the Bible's very clear about the days that we live in? God is not surprised about anything going on. And I believe uh, he gives us direction and guidance by his word. And I believe that even the days that we live in, we're living in prophetic days, Bible prophecy days. And uh, some people ignore Bible prophecy because they say, real, it's hard to understand. But I think they use that as an excuse. I don't believe the Bible is vague on the days that we're living in. I believe the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus is coming very soon. It's imminent that he's coming. It will be near and it's going to be fast and it's going to approach at any moment. That's what imminent means. I want you to look to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8, it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. He said there will be a crown of righteousness given to those that love his appearing. Now, you don't really know my father, but my father's 90 years old, pastored 67 years. He'll preach to you at the drop of the hat. He'll drop the hat if he has to. And I will tell you that he preached my whole life uh, uh, on all kinds of subjects, but no matter what he preached, he always got a point in about the coming of the Lord. He would say you need to tithe because Jesus is coming soon. He would say you need to, uh, you know, uh, love your wife because Jesus is coming soon. It didn't matter. He would get that in some way. And I think that after we go to heaven, and maybe after we've been there 10,000 years, you know, bright, shining as the sun, you know, whatever. I don't know, but there, you're probably going to see a guy, a big guy, kind of looks like John Hagee. a matter of fact, they look like brothers, only my dad's about 10 years older than John Hagee. And there'll be a guy sitting over there, and uh, he's going to have a big old crown on with a big old gaudy jewel on the front of it, probably a big old ruby. And he's, you're going to go, why does he have such a big ruby on the front of his crown? And it's going to be my dad. Because he loved his appearing. He talks about the coming of the Lord all the time. And I believe that we need to start talking about his coming again. And we need to believe again that he could come at any time. And we need to see the days that we are living in are very prophetic. Amen. Now, while the church has kind of fallen asleep, most churches have lost about a third of the people, and I think those people might be part of the Laodicean church that say, I have need of nothing. I'm saved, but I have need of nothing. Well, I, I beg to differ with you. I need something every day. I rely on him. I'm trusting in him. 
But while some are saying they don't need anything, the world doesn't understand what's going on. They don't understand the peace that we have living in turmoil. They don't understand the peace that we have even though things are going haywire in the world. I was preaching revival in West Virginia. I'd been in this church probably 25 straight years, so I knew the church. I preached a lot. I had a lot of people saved, but in one week, I had more people saved in one week than all 25 years added together, and it started on Sunday morning with two heroin addicts. But one woman invited some people that she said, I've literally asked them over a hundred times to church. But on this time, they said yes because the world thinks that the end is happening. They don't get that we are living in Bible days, that this is prophesied, that it was going to happen. Jesus said it would happen. They don't get it. And now the church sits around and we're not telling people. In Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and what will be the end of the earth? And he begins with deception. I mean, no, we're deceived. In America, if you say it enough, we start to have to believe it. Tell a lie long enough. He said, let me tell you another thing that will be a sign of my coming. There will be wars and rumors of wars. We know that things going on in the Gaza Strip could escalate at any moment. We know that Russia and China and Iran are all flexing their muscles even as I speak. Cuba, you don't think that has anything to do with anything? Let me tell you, I've been to Cuba. The people are oppressed. I don't understand how we want everybody that's oppressed in America to be free, but we don't care about people 90 miles from us. I didn't mean to say that, but I did. And now, Russia's sending in help because they don't want to lose communism. And yet, there's Americans that want to be communists. Go to another country. I don't know why. I'm just, I feel a little ornery this morning, if that's okay. But Jesus said there'll be kingdom against kingdom. And when we see the words kingdom against kingdom, we sometimes think that's country against country, but I believe we're living in a day where it's light versus darkness. It's not political party against political party. It's not man against man. It's not flesh against flesh, but it's light versus darkness. But in the middle of that chapter, I love Jesus. This is how he is. He said, there's going to be some stuff happening. There's going to be some weird things, some strange things. He said, but in the middle of that chapter, John 14, uh, no, uh, Matthew 24, excuse me. Matthew 24, he says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. All this is going to happen. How many know that Jesus, when he talked in John chapter 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And uh, if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. 
There's something about Jesus, no matter what is going on in your life, he is peace. He is the one that brings peace. He said, there's going to be famines or scarcity. How many understand about 14, 15 months ago, we were wondering if we were going to have toilet paper. Can we get Lysol? And we thought that was horrible. Back in March in Oklahoma and Texas, we decided we can do without toilet paper and we can do without Lysol, but we can't do without water and electricity. Who would have ever thought? Who would ever think that it's so cold that we don't have water and electricity in Oklahoma, but in Canada it was over 110 We are living in weird days. He said there'll be earthquakes in various places. I was preaching in Wichita, Kansas on Palm Sunday and 6.30 in the morning. Felt like somebody jumped on my bed at the hotel. They had an earthquake in Wichita. You don't have anything happen in Kansas. <laughs> except, you know, like a little girl with red shiny shoes. I wish I were home. I wish I were home. Some of you won't know what that is, but that's okay. I never even saw that movie because it was always on on Sunday night and I was in church. I never saw, what was that other show? Disney. What? Wonderful World of Disney. All the kids would come back to school on Monday and say, how how great that show was on Sunday night. I said, I was in church. The last thing we got to watch was that Wild Kingdom show, and then we had to be at church. Remember those? Okay, all three of you. I'm bringing you down memory lane. You're the people that need to buy a CD. (laughs) But Jesus said, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended and betray one another. We are living in these days. False prophets will arise and deceive many. Then he says, Matthew 24, 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There are people that used to come to Fountain of Life that were red hot on fire for God. Now you see them on Facebook and their posts. You know they're not living for God by the things they put up because their iniquity abounds and their love has waxed cold. Look with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord which will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Here it is right here. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? I'm going to stop right there for a minute. What kind of people should you be in all holy conversation and godliness? He's saying, how should you live? When you see that Jesus is coming near. How should you live? And I'm going to skip down to the end. It says, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him peace. Be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. He said, when you're looking for Jesus come, you ought to be living in peace. 
I don't have fear about tomorrow because I'm ready for the coming of the Lord. But how does this make me live that seeing I know that his coming is very near? How should I live? Number one, I believe you should preach with an urgency. And I think that too many of you are waiting for the evangelist to do your preaching. You got people that I can't preach to. You got people that you come in contact that will never hear me preach. But you and I should be telling people about Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God. He says to Timothy, Paul does, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He is saying to preach the word. I'm going to tell you something. Why did he say the word? Because the word will not return void, but it will prosper in that which it is sent. The word is the incorruptible seed. I'm not up here to preach my thought, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes I'm going to preach and I'm going to rebuke. Not every time do you come to church do you feel good when you leave. The preacher may step on your toes a little bit, but get over it and change your life and be a follower of Jesus. See, I got to preach with an urgency at all times because I believe the coming of the Lord could be at any moment. That's why I preach with an urgency. I got to tell people. I've got to warn people. You know, if I saw something going on in my neighborhood that I could fix before somebody got hurt, I'd do it. And yet we have something greater than something that somebody might get hurt. They might be left behind and have to go through the tribulation. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to be left behind. So I got to tell people that Jesus is coming very soon. And this gospel that I preach is only good news if it gets there on time. How many of us have had friends and loved ones slip into eternity in the last 16 months and some of them I would say I wish I could talk to them one more time about their eternity I wish I could talk to them one more time about Jesus I don't want to have any regrets so I have got to preach with an urgency every time we meet it could be somebody's last chance we need to be concerned about people's eternity what should I do now that I see his coming is near how should I live number two I should get ready for his appearance I should get ready for his appearance the Bible said he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle He's coming for a clean church. There's some things that we need to get ready for. We need to be prepared for. If you were going to have a guest come to our house, I will tell you our house is clean. Uh, Usually we look like an Amazon holding facility, but it is clean. That means there's a lot of boxes, you know, and if we miss a day, the Amazon guy thinks Lori's sick. And he makes a pastoral call to the door. He says, is your wife okay? (laughs) but if you came to our house unannounced it'd be clean but if we knew we're gonna have some people over she's gonna vacuum right before you get there you're gonna see lines on the carpet there's not gonna be any dust on the wood are you understanding me fingerprints are gonna be off the somebody got trained right All these things are done. Usually, if you have a special guest, that's what you do. 
Now, I preached one time at a church when Laura and I were just barely married. And we drove to that meeting, and I had met the pastor. He had heard me preach at my dad's church, and he invited me to come hold him a revival. He said, but you're going to have to stay at my house. We have a small church, and, and uh, we have plenty of room for you. About 15 miles out from the house, I said to Lori, I said, man, this house is going to be filthy. She said, why do you think, the, have you ever been there? I said, nope. She said, why do you think it's going to be filthy? I said, because the pastor's wife, I met her. And she has exceeding long chin hairs. And she goes, Doug, you are crazy. <laughs> Just because some old lady has chin hairs doesn't mean her house is dirty. I see a few of you going like this. <laughs> After church, we'll go out in the light, and I'll have you turn sideways, and I'll help you out. Right. And then you can help us with our ear hair and our nose hair. <laughs> We'll help you with your chin hair. <laughs> I have tweezers on that table out there that say whatever on them. <laughs> I need to. So she said, Doug, just because that lady, she's old. She just can't see. I said, it's going to be filthy. We get to the house. We, they open the door. It looked like a hoarder's show. It was horrible. And I look over and I said, told you. But see, most people are not like that. If you have a guest, you're going to do something special. Clean your house, deep clean. Do you realize when Jesus comes, special preparation must be made to be ready? Smith Wigglesworth, he said that when, when Jesus comes, half of the believers will not be ready and will be left behind. Now you say, how does he come up with that? Well, you got five that are prepared, five that are unprepared, five uh, bridesmaids ready, five bridesmaids not ready, two in the field, one is taken, the other left, two sleeping in the bed, one taken and the other left. That's just math. You're going to have to be prepared for his coming. What should I do now that I see his coming is near? How should I live? Number three, I think you should keep busy doing God's business. You should keep busy doing God's business. Luke 19, 13, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy till he comes. The word occupy, we don't use it that much, but I, I thought about changing uh, the name of the sermon to instead of occupy till he comes, you know, work like the devil for the Lord. That sounds like a good country song, doesn't it? But occupied, if you get on an airplane and the, they have that little room with the blue water, you go into that room, it has a slider on the door. And if you slide it over, it, if it's red, it says occupied. Occupied means busy. You realize that if you're going to occupy till he comes, you keep busy? 
You know the people that hate the rapture? There's church people that don't believe Jesus is coming soon. There's some people that say that, oh, it's going to get better and better and better until Jesus comes back and takes over. Remember the disciples kind of thought Jesus was taking over that way too. They missed it too. I don't really, I, I don't see that it's getting better, folks. But I do see something. He said to occupy till he comes. I don't see me sitting on my hands until he comes. I don't see me doing nothing. I'm not just sitting around escaping this world, but I'm out to win the loss and do whatever I can for the kingdom of God. There is this story. The one guy took his investment and made an increase of 10 times. The second guy in that story that, where they say occupy till he comes took uh, uh, 10 and made an increase of five times. And the third guy, he increased none and he did nothing. He had his excuses. His number one excuse was, I was afraid. Fear is in the heart of a lot of people, afraid of, of getting sued, afraid of people's opinion. We have people afraid of the disease. And, but I'm going to say we have got to do God's business, keep doing it uh, until Jesus comes. we got to multiply the kingdom and expand no matter what is else is happening in this world. I can't be hiding out. I can't be hoarding up. I'm, I'm going to tell you, staying home is all right if you don't go to these other places. But if you're going anywhere else, you can't tell me that you're getting it more at the church than you are somewhere else. I think we can't make the excuse saying, I got plenty of time. We got to use our abilities, our talents, our anointing until uh, right up until the time of the Lord's return. Be faithful with what you have been given because we either get more or lose what we have. We either advance to greater heights or slip back. There's no such thing as standing still in the Christian life. Can I get an amen? amen. What should I do now that I see his coming is near? How should I live? Number four, take communion correctly. Why are we talking about communion? Well, I thought we were talking about the coming of the Lord. Take communion correctly. Why are we talking about communion? I'm glad you asked. Let's look. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. You see those three words, till he come. We're going to take communion till he comes. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, they're talking about communion and they were talking about doing stuff wrong and it wasn't working out. People were taking communion unworthily. And you know what was happening? People were getting sick. They were dying. Hmm. They were weak. Now, when Corona started hitting our lives. I noticed that just as many church people I know were getting corona as unbelievers. So that kind of threw me a little bit. I had corona. Okay. Ambulance came. It was bad. So I'm not counting this as a joke. But I'm saying this. I believe that it is God's will that none should perish. We believe he died on the cross that the world could be saved. 
But the same cross, we say, by his stripes, we're healed. Why are so many of us sick, dying, and all these different things? I have, to, I have to go to the Bible. Okay, now I'm not saying because of individuals. If you take it that way, you heard me wrong. It could be individually. But I think more as a corporate body, that's what we do. We take communion corporately. Very seldom do we take it just individually. You can but we take it as a corporate body. And a lot of times, I don't know how you do it in this church, but in some of the churches I go to, it's become ridiculous. It's like, hey, take this cheese it and drink a little Coke in the name of Jesus. Are you understanding me? And I think because that's happened across the body of Christ is how we have this going on. You can take this or leave it. But this communion that we take, it's not a snack. It's not nabs and a Coke. It costs Jesus his life. You realize the world knows about God. Everybody says God this, God that. Everybody knows about God. But we know God as Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. God is our Father, and that is what happens. We are remembering uh, that God is our Father. He gave Jesus, and without that blood, uh, we have no new life. And without the broken body, we do not have healing. The blood is important, the juice, the body is important, the wafer of the bread, and we cannot have one without the other, and we can't emphasize one without emphasizing the other. we got to take it. And somebody said, well, I don't know. I don't even believe he's coming. Then why even take communion? He says, do it until I come. Now, I don't know how it was when you grew up, but my dad was the pastor. My mom, uh, we'd go to church and My sisters are older than me, and I couldn't sit in the back seat because we'd all get into it. So little Dougie had to sit in the front seat. Well, I didn't even sit. I stood on the front seat. We didn't have a car seat. My dad's arm was the car seat. And I made it. Thank God I made it. Okay? But I can remember going to church how it was. I can remember my mom... Looking over at my dad, dad, she'd say to my dad, uh, or, or to my dad, Bill, give me your handkerchief. He'd reach in his pocket, he'd pull out a handkerchief. And my mom would look at me and she'd spit on that handkerchief. <laughs> and grab my face and rub it like there was sandpaper. <laughs> she spit on that. That is the vaccine. Biden does not know, but my mom had the vaccine a long time ago. (laughs) Spit on the handkerchief. Okay, after that was done, my mom would say, now, girls, Debbie, Pam, Dougie. See, Dougie was, that's what I got called when I was bad, Dougie. I got born again, I'm Doug. But when I was a little boy, my mom would go, today's communion Sunday. She said, we're going to take communion. We were kids. She said, you girls, 
You got any sin in your life, you need to get it out. Dougie, you got sin in your life, you need to ask Jesus to forgive you. You've been treating your brother bad this week. You got anything against him, you need to forgive one another. This is our ride to church. We come to church, we've been listening to, I'm on the highway to hell and And wonder why you're taking communion unworthily. You need to prepare yourself. Come on, this is good preaching right here. What is unworthily? When you have no reverence, you have no respect. You might, there might be some people that are even ignorant to the real meaning of communion. But it said it brings damnation and some are weak, sickly, and die. If you hold in your heart feelings of hatred bitterness, contempt against others. When you come to the table of the Lord, you eat and drink unworthily. If you're ticked off at the pastor, I'd say don't take it. you probably do yourself better if you got some issues going on. You can't forgive people. Just don't take it until you can get your heart right. But it's just as easy as Lord help me. Lord, forgive division in the church or the body. If you have sin in your life, ask for forgiveness. The Lord's Supper is not to be taken lightly. This new covenant costs Jesus' life. Let me hurry here. What should I do now that I see his coming is near? Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Ten bridesmaids, five ready, five unready. Five not ready. Five lamps full of oil. Five lamps out of oil. We know oil in the Bible is not the Holy Ghost, but it's a symbol of the Holy Ghost. Listen, only the blood of Jesus gets you to heaven, but the Holy Ghost will help you have victory on the way to heaven. Are you understanding me? Do you realize that Jesus was raised from the dead? How did he come up out of that grave? It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 14, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. When that trumpet sounds and the shout goes up, I am not going up by leg power. I'm not going up by I can jump high power, but I'm going up by Holy Ghost power the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead the same uh, power that got him out of that tomb is the same power that's going to lift dead bodies out of the graveyard that had faith in Christ Jesus and the same power is going to lift those of us that are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air we need to remain alert and ready for his coming if you're not ready to meet the Lord, you're going to have an opportunity. If you're, not going to, uh, if you're not ready to meet the Lord today, you're not ready for the coming Lord, you'll have an opportunity just in a moment. It'll be a great thing. Let me close with this. What should I do now that I see his coming is near? How should I live? Number six, this is it. We should expect revival in the last days. See, a lot of us are expecting a lot of things. Man, I'm expecting things to get worse. I'm expecting the government to do this and do that. And I'm, I'm expecting people to act crazy. And I'm, You know what? I'm expecting revival. Some people say, man, I'm expecting a falling away. You know what? I'm, I know the Bible talks about a falling away, and we've seen some of it, but I'm going to tell you, while people are falling away, I'm believing God for revival. Like Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost, he said, thus saith God, the Lord God, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see uh, dreams, and your young men shall see visions. I'm telling you something. I 
I believe in the day that we live uh, that there's a revival getting ready to take place that our young people are going to get off drugs and get off of alcohol and turn to Jesus. Their perverted minds will be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. They're going to get up with the Word of God in their mouth and they're going to begin speaking life to their friends and their families. See, we can talk about earthquakes and we can talk about deception and we can talk about all these things, kingdom against kingdom, but I believe the greatest sign of his coming is a last day's outpouring. In 1906, in a, uh, Los Angeles, California, at a place called Azusa Street, where a man uh, there by the name of William Seymour was a great man. He got persecuted. He was put down. He was talked bad about. There was people that were prejudiced against him, but he stood on the word of God and because of that, today we have an outpouring of the Spirit that has taken across the world, even the Pentecostal holiness and the Assemblies of God and the Four Square and the Church of God. We're all part of that revival. And I'm going to tell you something. It was an influence uh, that went around the world. And today, uh, it's not just a few little tongue talkers here and there, but one out of every ten people in the world speak with tongues. The greatest church in the world is a tongue-talking church. I'm going to tell you something. I still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. But 1906 was that outpouring. That was 115 years ago. It was not the last days. I believe hey, we still got something better coming. Revival's coming in the name of Jesus. We know in the late 40s and the 50s there was a healing move of God. My dad said he saw A.A. Allen. He saw uh, Brother Branham. He saw Jack Coe, he went to Oral Roberts meeting, but he said Jack Coe's meeting, they backed up three semi-truck trailers with 40-foot trailers and filled them with crutches and leg braces and uh, walkers and, and wheelchairs to take to the dump that people were healed in that meeting. I'm going to tell you something. That was over uh, now, uh, that was over 70 years ago. That was not the last days. I believe the greatest days are ahead for the church. I know in 1994, I went to Toronto. In 1995, I went to Brownsville. I've been in those revivals. They were great moves of God, but that was 26 and 27 years ago. Great moves of God, but still not the last days. The greatest days are ahead for the church. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Come on, lift up your hands, stand to your feet and give him praise right now. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm available for revival. I'm available for a move of God. Move in me today. Move in me today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want everybody to look at me just for a moment. All of you know I love Haiti so much. And some people say, why do you keep going to such a horrible place? Because I believe I can make a difference. But that's really not my reason. Eleven and a half years ago, there was an earthquake that took place. I was there that day. The Lord spared my life. It's a long story. I was going to stay one place, and the Lord said, don't stay there. That place collapsed. Where I went, I was safe. But I'm going to tell you something. That happened late in the afternoon. It got dark very quick. Stayed up all night praying in the Spirit. You could hear people screaming. You could see fires all across Port-au-Prince. 
We didn't have any equipment. I didn't know what to do, but I, I prayed in the Holy Ghost. The next morning, we went to see what we could do. There was rioting in the streets, chaos, guns going off, people robbing, people looting stores. But on the street, hundreds of bodies were lying by the road, some covered with sheet, with a sheet, S-H-E-E-T, covered, others just looked like they got smashed. What I saw, I can't get out of my mind. I'm going to tell you sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. Some people would call it a nightmare. I'm, I'm shaking. I've never asked the Lord to take that away from me, what I saw, because I don't want to ever forget what he did for me. I owe the people of Haiti. But what I saw, I, I, the only consolation I get is that earthquake was 35 seconds. That's it. But the consolation I get is in 35 seconds you can call upon the name of the Lord. I pray many of them did. Mercy. But something about the coming Lord, the next prophetic event on God's calendar, the rapture of the church. You don't have 35 seconds to get ready. He comes in the twinkling of an eye. Faster than I can snap my finger or blink my eye. You've got to be prepared in advance. That's what God sent me here for today. We need to be prepared. How should we live? Prepared. Ready. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to live in an era where we can come to you on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now. But especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, Call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin, and I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone, and I thank you that my life has changed. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online, and I hope to see you again.